0: that M- music I've been dedicated I don't hesitate to celebrate it I'ma do me And I'ma just let them hate it let him hate, let him hate, I'ma demonstrate how to stay calm in the war zone. I meditate, I'm
1: lit with the You're listening to the PCAS, presented by CDE Lightband. Each week we take you around Austin Be the Athletics Department, and occasionally the OVC, thanks to our good friends at CDE. I am Colby Wilson, he is Casey Krieger Welcome to the nation's top-ranked Austin Be podcast that's pondering the very nature of existence today. Casey, how are you now? Good, and you? Not so bad. So, from the top, I guess we got to kind of talk about the big, the big stuff, the big show here, uh, had to hit pause on the summer workouts, uh, got some, got some positive tests, got to do the right thing, uh, got to get everybody into quarantine, health is the primary concern, and I think, I mean, obviously, that's paramount for everyone right now, I think we did a great job of acting quickly, and... Proves that the measures that we've put into place are one necessary and two can be acted upon at a moment's notice. But it sure does suck to have to do it. Yeah, it's the right choice. But
0: I still think we're ahead of schedule for like for compared to a lot of other Tennessee teams. I don't think ETSU started back. I don't think maybe Memphis has. I'm not sure. I don't think Martin and Tech are back. I'm not sure they could be, but I feel like we're we're pretty pretty good on here and the two week breaks. Just going to get us right back on
1: schedule. And as Gerald Harrison said, uh, it it was never a matter of if. It was always a matter of when. It was going to happen. Yeah. And it's it's probably better it happened early. We're going to get it out. We're going to see how our system
0: works. And this way we can handle it better next time if it happens.
1: Bingo. Uh, not a whole lot on the docket this week uh, from a sporting – I mean, we're, we're to the dog days of the dog days at this point. I know it seems like we've been just kind of spinning our tires and – hoping against hope that something would happen each week, but, I mean, my golly, nothing's occurring right now. Nothing. Nothing's happening. Uh, Chase Cordy, uh, at Golf Week, their event last week, um, put put on a, just a, hey, let's get the band together and hit around for a couple (laughs) of rounds, because, you know, everything stopped in March, so nobody got to compete for conference titles or the NCAA, and Chase, uh,
0: Looked pretty good. Our
1: resident lefty golfer went down there and put up some low numbers. Put up some low numbers. And for a guy who had not had the spring that I think he wanted, well, obviously none of them had the spring they wanted because they only got to play in two tournaments. But in Chase's case, also just didn't get – he wasn't as consistently good as, I think, one, he knows he can be, and two, as – He He is proven to be. Yeah, as as he's proven to be over the years. So to go down and get runner-up honors in a huge event, I think was a a great, great moment for him, and hopefully, springboard to his senior year, his first senior year, he his second junior year. I don't know what we're calling. We need a new year between junior. We need a new year. Um. Yeah.
0: I mean, like the Corona <laughs> year is like too obvious.
1: Rome spring for spring sport. Rome. Rumspr- I don't know. <laughs> there,
0: there's there, we'll come up with something.
1: Yeah, we'll 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 workshop the jokes here as we always I think I've do. Heard
0: COVID year before, but like, the, the COVID year. Yeah, but like uh, I feel like we can get more creative than
1: that. I think you know COVID's going to have its own moment where there's going to be COVID babies. Like there's gonna the the generation of yeah. The, that's to come in the next couple of years is going to be COVID babies because nobody's got any place to go or anything else to do. My neighbors were having a gender reveal party yesterday just start of it. Bully for them. They were shooting fireworks. It was kind of loud. That's what you do at a gender uh, reveal that's party. That's what I thought. I was confused. Hey, happy belated Bobby Bonilla happy Day Bobby to you, buddy. Bobby Day to you, buddy. For those who don't know, uh, Bobby Bonilla was a baseball player of decent. He was all right. He's good. He made a
0: couple All-Star teams. Yeah, I haven't. Like, you're not upset that Bobby Bonilla on your yeah, team. Yeah, if
1: you had proud Bobby Bonilla, the you're five like, oh, hole you, in your order yeah, was locked. You know, we'll, we'll take that. Like, oh, it's a decent outfielder. We're all right. We don't. We don't have to worry about that position. Well, Bobby Bonilla hasn't played professional baseball since I think 2000, 2001. 2001. Okay, I was gonna say it two, might be at 2000. Yeah, early early aughts, and yet on July 1st every year until I think 2025. I believe so. Bobby Bonilla gets a $1.19 million check from the New York Metropolitans. You've got to love deferred baseball money. You do. Did you see the thread yesterday yeah. of the deferred? Ba-
0: Ken th- Jr. gets money to like 2035 from the Reds, 2009 to 2035. Bruce
1: Sutter from the Braves is still getting deferments every year, and he gets on almost $10 million. Saberhagen's still getting money from somebody. Wei Yin Chen gets fourteen million this year and fifteen million next year, and he wasn't worth twenty nine million across two
0: seasons that's, when he was good. That's the way he play baseball, kids. That the that guaranteed money that you're gonna get, and you can pick how long you want to get it. That makes that's what makes it so much better. Yeah. I mean that just It sounds wild to people, but if you really add it up, it's like it's normal baseball salary, but the fact that he gets paid every year is what makes it wild.
1: Well, one gets paid every year and Bobby, in Bobby Winnie's case hasn't done anything baseball related nothing, in twenty years and is just cashing that million dollar check every July.
0: He's just he he is he, I, he by now he has it timed up to where like the end of June he's hitting like right at double zeros in the bank. Oh,
1: July one, one point one nine million in the bank. Started he, all over. What kind of swanky party do you reckon he throws every July first? Like the Bobby Bonilla Fourth like of July?
0: Him and, and <laughs> him and Jr. and Wei Hn and all the other dudes are just getting there, throwing. I mean, they're just throwing money in the air.
1: Yeah, the, the, I I envision Bobby Bonilla like getting a dump truck to dump it all into a room and just like frolicking. A swimming around. pool. He gets a swimming pool full of cash and just swan dive. That's how you know you've made it. Is when you have a swimming pool full of cash. And you haven't played baseball in 20 years. And you haven't played baseball in 20 years.
0: Ah, the life. You know who hasn't made it? Me and my apartment. (laughs) (laughs) This week on As Casey's Apartment Turns. (laughs) Well, the good news is we finally got some people in there to get some work done, and uh, well, they cut out the sheetrock on the ceiling this morning, and what did they find? (laughs) Mold. So now the sheetrock guys are gone, and the contractors are back, and... We're cutting out more ceiling and cleaning mold and then they have to set up drying equipment and then maybe then we'll get a new ceiling then maybe we'll get a new wall and then maybe we'll get the carpet fixed but uh
1: you who, know who knows what other adventures await us you know you and remy are leaving an incredible apartment for whoever comes along behind you because it's going to be basically brand new i was talking to
0: remy the other day and i was like i have a feeling like I don't know how old these apartments are, but I, I don't feel like they're that old, but I feel like they're at the point where like, I'm guessing like maybe like nine, 10 years old, probably not 20 years old, probably at least 10 years old. They've been like there for like tw- 14 years or something and like nothing's been replaced and like we just have terrible timing. Like we hit this apartment 14 years in where all the original Everything appliances, breaks. they're still fine and they still, like nothing looks bad, nothing looks old and it all works, but then it just breaks. And we've just timed it perfectly
1: to where we are in this apartment when everything's gonna gonna break.
0: But yeah, shout out to the next people that live there. They're gonna get all new stuff.
1: What happens first? You guys move out of there, or everything that's broken in the last month and a half gets fixed?
0: I mean, we should be there until this time next year. I would, or at least until the end of like this athletic year next year. So like, I would hope that we get the new ceiling, the new walls,
1: and new carpet before then. I'm so looking forward to us still having this conversation in March. But future. like also,
0: but also at the same time that all of this is happening, our microwave has died, and our uh, AC return unit started leaking a little bit. So the carpet that is getting replaced is wet, which I guess it's not a big deal because they're getting it replaced. But you know, they probably need to get that fixed before the new carpet goes in, so that it doesn't have to get replaced. It's it's great. It's the best. Join us
1: next week. It's the happiest place on earth. Okay. Casey opens his fridge to find a portal into the realm of the damned. Sure, I mean, I, I think I, that's just my living room at this point. Well, we'll digress from this. um, w- What has become a uh, a lot of fun, a, a ton of fun, and we'll bring on Robbie Wilson, men's golf coach, right after this. Today's pod features two Robert Wilsons. One is me via first name I only answer to if the government is calling, and the other is Austin P. Headman's golf coach, Robbie Wilson. In addition to this Wilson v. Wilson detente, I'm excited to talk golf and baseball, maybe some other nonsense, with one of my favorite coaches in this place, and I don't say that just because we often receive one another's email. Coach, how are you doing today? I'm doing great,
2: Colby. How are you?
1: I am great. I am better because we're going to have baseball, and I know that means a lot to both of us. It um, means different things to both of us as well, because you a long-suffering Cubs fan who just recently in the last four years uh, got to join the rest of us in the world of success. Hmm. How does one stay a Cubs fan for as long as you did?
2: Well it's funny I grew up you know I grew up liking players. Um, I'm a huge baseball guy. Grew up a baseball guy. Probably got into golf a little bit late because I was a baseball guy Um, but I grew up um, actually you know Liking players, I like Ricky Henderson for the A's. I like Barry Larkin for the Reds. Um, like Griffey, everybody um, loved Griffey. You know, the age that 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 I am was was the you know the mid '90s when when baseball was um, a lot of fun, a little different than it is today, but it was a lot of fun. But you know, growing up, the Cubs were on every afternoon, nearly WGN. Yeah, right. You see the fans in the outfield, their shirts are off, and the bleachers, and, and um, it just looked like a lot of fun, you know? And, and that's, that's one of the great things about baseball. It's so different. It's so different than football. It's so different than other sports. Um, but, but yeah, you know, the Cubs, uh, a big piece of my heart, you know? I go into some games in 2016, the year they won the World Series. I was able to go up there with my dad. He's not a Cubs fan. Um, he's a Braves fan.
1: Oh, so he's right.
2: <laughs> so um, we went up there, um, and uh, you know, su- such a cool experience to go to that ballpark. And that's more—that's more what I like about baseball now. It's—it's it's the experience of baseball. It's the—it's um, again, it's just so different.
1: What did the 2016 World Series mean to you? Because I think it—that—that that was a moment in time for all of baseball to really appreciate, but especially, I think. For Cubs fans, obviously.
2: Yeah, you know, probably not as much to me as as some. Um, Some diehard fans, you know. I'm sure they were crying on their floor when it (laughs) happened. Um, But definitely have a respect there for what they did um, and the way they rebuilt that organization uh, with Joe Madden as the manager and Theo Epstein. Um, as a coach and, um, as a coach for a different sport is, but as a coach and you're looking at how to manage a team and how to build a team and how to build a program, um, I really love the way that they built it and the players they brought in and how they had that, uh, organization going. And really from the time, um, it, it all starts like five years before they win it and breaking things down in order to build them back up. And, um. It was just the culmination of kind of a, a childhood for me that, that uh, um, as a huge baseball fan in general, just an appreciation more than anything.
1: Let's talk a little bit about your sport that you coach and have played and the culture that you grew up in. That's the culture of the youth golf in this state. Feels like it's unique because you being a Tennessee native, you've, grown up in it, played in it. Now you're recruiting from it and you you can provide an insight of how it's grown and how it's changed over the years.
2: It's one of the best states. Um and there's a track record for that. I'm not just saying that. Um we are fortunate where we are. Um the junior golf program in the state of Tennessee is one of the best. And um I've always coached teams that had a large amount of players from the state. Um, because I I know how they're brought up, I know how they're brought in, and and, and usually what they bring to our program. Um, Just even in the last, I don't know, last 10 years, what the Tennessee Golf Association has done with the uh, Tennessee Junior Cup, Scott Stallings, um, OVC guy, um, Brant Snedeker, what those guys have brought to junior golf in the state is, is really unlike any other state. Tennessee Junior Cup is a, uh, for those that don't know, is a Ryder Cup, East versus West um, type match that they have at the end of every year. And these players spend three days together. They're they're staying in the dorms at Golf House Tennessee. They're getting to know each other. And what we've seen because of that, them coming into college or, or even in the recruiting process, these guys already know each other. These guys already have relationships with each other, and um, when you recruit kids that have played in that, they understand the team co- team concept. They understand um, kind of th- the mindset of what we really want in a in a program. And, and our state's just so far ahead a lot of a lot of other states because of that. And it, again, it starts at the top. It starts with uh, with Scott Stallings and, and Brant Snedeker, and then the Tennessee Golf Association and
1: everything that they've done. Is the SNEDS tour unique? Like, I know that it's wildly, insanely popular in this state, and it's really taken off and been a a smashing success, but is that something that you just don't get in other states where a a local pro makes it a point to go back to his home state and help grow the game?
2: It's not unique from the standpoint of a junior tour, but it is unique from what what they've done, Um, Brent Snedeker. Um, yes. The the answer is yes. And then the answer is yes to Scott Stallings and what he's done in Knoxville. I think over the past year, um, there is, and and I could be butchering this to death, but there's at least one public course there where, where kids under a certain age play free. And um, it's really due in part to what, what he's doing in the junior golf world in Tennessee. So um, yeah, it starts with those guys and and what they've done and given back and it just shows you don't have to grow up in Texas, California, Florida um to make it on the PGA Tour and to to those are guys that that came through the same programs that these kids are coming through today. Um so it's not some specialty deal, you know. These 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 are real guys and they're down to earth and 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 they're giving back to what um to to the people that helped them get where they are.
1: Prior to coming to us, you coached and prior to that played at Treveca. I know that's a place that was very near and dear to your heart, and you, you spent a lot of time building that program. Just talk about kind of the roots and the foundation that was built in you there.
2: Yeah, I, I, you know, we, um, let's see, coming out of high school, 2002, um, didn't have a whole lot of offers coming out, and you know, I, funny story here, and this is one a lot of people may not know, the coach that recruited me to Treveca uh, coach uh, Bill Strickland his grandson played here at Austin P at the time Ryan Strickland huh. Ryan was a part of uh three OVC championship teams under uh coach Mark Larue uh, from I think 01 to 03 so um but but Bill Strickland uh recruited me to Treveca um uh, thankful that he did too because uh sometimes as as 18 year olds uh we don't really understand kind of where you know we end up is uh, is for a reason but I, I can definitely say that that was the best place I could have gone to college and really as a, as a coach and who's out recruiting you, you know I'm preaching all the time how um, there's more to it than the the shiny things and there's more to it than than what um, what you see on the outside because um, I was in a program where I met um, I had teammates I met people that are lifelong friends and I truly wouldn 't be here today if i hadn 't gone through that program and and uh, graduated from there and and obviously they helped me get started with coaching as well
1: was that always the plan coaching
2: no it wasn 't you know i I really wanted to get into professional sports behind the scenes um, operations something like that um, I was a sport management major at trevecca I had um, some really cool internships, um, interned with the Music City Bowl for a couple of years and um, that was a lot of fun. Met some people there that um, I learned so much from um, but yeah, the, the main, the real goal was just to, to work for a professional sports team. I wanted to do something, I wanted to do something behind the scenes and, and uh, opportunity came my way. Um, there at the end of my senior year the coach that that I had at the time he was on his way out and uh, we we all were aware of that and uh, we weren't sure what the future was going to be but I was able to to get the assistant coach position for the new coach that came in and then he, it, as strange as it may sound within a semester I was the head coach at Trevecca I was 23 years old um didn't W- was still learning you know i had a different path than so many people that get into coaching um i wouldn't trade my path or anything but man that was a
1: that's a steep learning curve at 23
2: wake up you're you're uh you're um you've got a you've got an important job to do and and yeah i made a lot of mistakes i made so many mistakes not you know not big killer NCAA mistakes but I made mistakes and I learned and I learned on the fly and sometimes I I, sometimes I you know think I wonder it'd be different if I was an assistant coach for several years and worked my way up that ladder and then got a head coaching job um, what would I be doing differently and um, but you know what this is my path this is what um, I was supposed to do and um, I really yeah I wouldn't trade it for anything
1: how difficult is it to you know we ask this question all the time of our GAs and everything how difficult is it to make that transition from teammate to coach when you're coaching some people that you used to play with you're the head guy coaching people that you were playing with not very long ago that could not have been easy
2: it was it was uh well one of the best things about that was um I did coach two players that I played with one was a freshman my senior year and the other one was, was a good friend of mine. But um, we had a lot of turnover in our program after I graduated. And uh, with the head coach leaving, there wasn't a whole lot of recruiting done that year before. And um, probably the best thing that happened to me is I came in with really a, a clean slate. I, 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 that first year, it was, a, it was a struggle. I had to pull a couple walk-ons um, in from around campus just to compete. Um, but you know what those next two years uh we signed five guys for each recruiting class, and um really that ended up those parts of those ten guys um cha- completely changed that program at trebecca um we were not we were not very good when i played we we were i was an average college golfer um we um we competed we we practiced hard, we had fun, but we um, were very average, and um, we brought in some players that, that really, truly changed that program, and uh, it was, uh, it's really cool to see, even after I have left there, came up to Austin P. I mean, they went to the um, NCAA championship, and uh, competed in the match play portion of that, and made a run at it, and um, the coach there now, David Head, he's done a, a terrific job with continue in that program.
1: How do you balance family and coaching?
2: Should I bring my wife in here on
1: this? I I guess I'm I'm guessing she would offer a very different perspective perhaps than you you will but (laughs) I want to hear it from you.
2: Well we have we have three children um, ages six four and two and so that doesn't make it easy. Um, I'm uh, I'm gone quite a bit and during the season, um, we travel, uh, we're not gone for just one day at a time. We're usually gone for three, four days at a time. So it, there's a lot of, um, pressure on my wife, uh, and she does a fantastic job, um, and, uh, keeping that ship straight and, and floating. Um, but yeah, you know, it's, it's, you do, you try to be present when you're there. I think that's, that's the big thing that I've learned, um, in letting you know the family know you're there and, and when you're home you need to be home you don't need to be i don't need to be on my phone all the time i don't need to be have my attention somewhere else so um but it's a it's a constant struggle and i don't know of anybody that that really truly you know thinks that they have it mastered i don't know what do you think colby
1: i i'm when you said the phone thing i mean i know <laughs> i'll catch myself doing it in the moment like what are you doing just Scrolling through Twitter right now. You have when you get home from work. You have two hours until your son goes to bed. Make those two hours about him, and then you can scroll through Twitter again after that. I mean, it's. I, I I think I'm getting better at it, but I don't know.
2: (laughs) I I don't think we ever know. I I I, I think we just do the best we can in the moment, and and um, see where that gets us. Yeah,
1: I mean, I'm. That's that's all you can do, really. Hopefully it's not bad or wrong, but. Yep. Yeah. Uh, do your players get the the balance of coach and dad that, you know, yes, you're the coach and yes, you're always reachable, but like you got to go home and be dad sometimes too.
2: Yeah, probably not. I would say it's, it's, that's one of those things you probably don't really fully understand till you have gone through it, you know, and, and, um, I think they understand that, y- you know, there is a there is a time where I need to to be home, and there's a time where um, you know, family obviously comes first, um, but also try to make them feel like part of our family. And and it's such a cliche, and I don't you know hashtag that everywhere, <laughs> family and all that. But you know, it 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 is important for our guys to see me as a dad too um because we are there's so much more than golf in this um there's obviously the life aspect of everything but we're raising these guys and we're they're turning from boys when they come here to men when they leave and and we have to teach them a whole lot of things and maybe part of that is is uh you know how to be a good husband how to be a good dad and um hopefully they can see that in me um and and that my balance is is uh is definitely necessary
1: when you got this job you inherited a program with a big history of success and you inherited a challenge that was both maintaining that level of success and building for a brighter future how difficult is it to come into a program that has high expectations anyway and then try to exceed them
2: well that's why i'm here uh it would not be any fun waking up in the morning and going to a a a job that you were only expected to do to be average um that the expectations part from from not only um the program the university but from the community the golf community here in clarksville is is, uh, is awesome. That's what I live for. Um, I, w- I want to feel pressure. Um, and I think that's what ultimately uh, produces the best out of me is, is when there is some, um, when there's something to it. And so, yeah, the program, um, previous coach, Kirk Caden, uh, who is a, a, a close personal friend of mine, uh, he did a great job with this program, continuing on the back of what Coach Mark LaRue did um, back in the late '90s, early 2000s, and um, it, it's just so much—it's it, so much fun to see when these alums come back and they're they're sharing stories and um, they're talking about their OVC championships and and um, the the things that they've accomplished. And uh, yeah, this is this is right where um, this is right where I want to be. Um, I want to be in a program that has those expectations that um, that we want to make. Uh, not only our players have a great experience, but we want to make the alums and the people in our community proud of, of uh, their program.
1: How do you keep a mid-major stocked with players capable of beating the big boys and then build on that foundation for what I know your expectations of this program are?
2: Ooh, That's a great question. Um, I'd, I'd like to say, kind of backtrack a little bit to my time at Trevecca, um I really had to learn from early on in my career um and it kind of take a let's do a baseball reference too. Moneyball right yeah finding um the whole point of that whole program Moneyball the book I read the book before the movie saw the movie but um it's to find value in things that the big schools or the big teams or big programs don't see value in and so you have to recruit different way if you're going after the same kids that um, Oklahoma State is going after then there's a problem but if if you're recruiting kids that may not be um, a top player in the country uh, right right then but can develop into a certain type of player later on um, I think that's the ultimate goal and um, so from early on, I, I, we try to develop players. We try to see players that, um, find the right ones that will come into a program, understand the team concept, um, have a passion for the game. And ultimately we know that their best days are ahead of them. Uh, they have to have the right kind of athletic makeup to be able to, to develop the way that we need them to develop, um. But I think if you look back at all my teams, the, the team culture has always been good. Uh, we've never had a problem with um, finding the right character, finding the right people. Um, but at the mid-major level, the the hardest part is always predicting how they will develop four years from now. Some we hit on, some we miss on. And uh, But I guarantee you, n- n- not one of our players Um, you know comes through here without that passion without trying to get there Um, so it's a constant struggle Um, we we obviously do not have all the bells and whistles that that some of the SEC schools have Um, we can't just go out and say we want you and you oh yeah we'll take you too you know we've got a we're recruiting against um, the right schools and and sometimes we win sometimes we lose
1: when are you going to go jump in Swan Lake? Mm, you've heard about that. I asked around to get a little bit of get a little bit of dirt, and uh, I, I was told that following the the week preceding the win in Florida a couple of years ago, you you promised to jump in Swan Lake if if the boys went out and got the dub.
2: Yeah, that was a what a great inspiration
1: for those guys. Well, they're still waiting. <laughs> they're still waiting to 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 see you jump in the lake.
2: You know, granted, it, so happy the NCAA gave those guys a fifth year <laughs>
1: just so they could see me jump in yeah. that
2: lake. Um, by the way, Swan Lake needs to clean up that lake a little bit. Is I
1: that I is it. that is that what you're <laughs> waiting on? Is for them to 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 do a little nip and tuck on the the
2: lake? Yeah, I think so. Um, can we can we get that film though? When oh, can we get a whole camera crew I, out I'd, there? I'd and, be
1: rather insulted if we didn't. Okay, okay, I can't wait. I can't either. <laughs> All right. Um, so boys, you heard it. He's he's ready. We gotta we gotta get a camera crew and you know, I don't know if they're married to the concept of it being Swan Lake. We could go somewhere else and have you jump I in. I think
2: it. they are. I think they want um they want
1: to see the punishment of <laughs> Swan Lake. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well then we we hash it out and it's, it's ready to go. I'd
2: I love the fact. Um Michael Bussey, Austin Lancaster, Alex. Um, vague that they will constantly hold me to that, <laughs> and um, those guys, you know, that's my first full recruiting class here at Austin P. Um, I came in in a half year. I don't know if you remember that or not. Yeah. Came in in a December, and um, so we missed a recruiting cycle there, and um, had a couple guys join our program in between. But uh, Michael. Uh, Alex and Austin are are always going to be near and dear to my heart here. And um, they were part of that team that uh, we went down to Fort Lauderdale and and got my first victory here at Austin P. And uh, what a special time. And and we're definitely going to jump in that late.
1: What's it mean to get the fifth year with those guys, with that first class that was truly yours?
2: Well, I think there's some unfinished business. Um, I think we, we recruited them with the intention of, we were going to win an OVC championship and, um, each person, each of those three people have all taken a different journey. Um, Austin is somebody that he came in, Austin's developed so much personally uh, and on the golf course. Um, it may not show up in his numbers as much, (coughs) but, um, He's somebody that has came in and, and really took to what we were coaching and, and, and a, a way for him to play golf and to be, um, be a weapon out there. Um, you do not want to face him in match play. Mm-mm. And um, I can't wait to see what he has in store. Uh, Michael Bussey, someone who came in with a ton of talent, um, went through some struggle there is his senior year of high school uh, or just past the senior year of high school and so he came into Austin P. Um, struggling and not many people do that usually kids come into college and they're confident and they're like yeah I'm on top of the world um, he came in in a different way um, but it's a testament to his mental strength what what he's done these last three years um, he was on track for a really good season. Yeah. Um, you know, he, he didn't get – and I'll, I'll get on the soapbox a little bit here. He he missed the all-OVC team. And he shouldn't have. He should not have. That was – um, it, it really – it kind of ticked me off. I know he'll never say it to anybody, but it, it ticked him off as well. Um, he had one poor tournament, and it just so happened to be – the last event before this whole mess came yeah.
1: about and shut us down and there was we had two spring tournaments and one's match play and you don't get any of your counting stroke stats for that either and that's just
2: yeah bad luck it is um if the season played out the way it should have um michael would have been on that team he would have been rewarded at I, 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 you may know better than i he he averaged under par in the fall yeah right yeah, he was at seventy-one, 71.
1: 71 and a half, I think.
2: Yeah, um, so having a terrific year, and um, but again, someone that really struggled his freshman year, and I think there would have been a lot of college golfers that would have hung him up after their freshman year if they had kind of done, gone through what Michael was going through. Um, but man, he is strong. He's tough mentally. Um, another guy that I would not want to see in stroke play or especially match play. Um, and then Alex, Alex Vague is someone, Alex is the reason we won in Fort Lauderdale. Mm-hmm. And there were many reasons. Everybody had good moments and played great. Um, but Alex shot a bogey-free 66 in that final round his freshman year, uh, no excuse me, his sophomore year down in Fort Lauderdale. And it was just, um, it just showed his, his true potential and what, that, what he could do. Um, but golf's funny again, people go through slumps in different times and, and it's a maturity process. And, and I personally, um, can vouch, you know, I, I'm, I'm playing better golf now than I did when I was in college and when I was playing every day. And it's just, it's a funny game. And sometimes you can't, um, you know, you can't pick your slumps. You can't pick when you go through that. Um, but Alex is on the way out of one and, um, I'm so glad he gets a fifth year and he chose to come back. All those guys I think would have came back no matter what. Um, They love this program, and I think they all understand they have unfinished business.
1: What is your favorite word? Depends on the moment. (laughs) In general. Let's go with yes. What is your least favorite word? Bogey. That's what I figured, a golf coach. Who or what inspires you?
2: I'm going to go um, my wife.
1: What's the last book you read for fun?
2: For fun. Hmm. I read a book. Um, usually I, I get most of my Christmas time is spent reading and I'm able to kind of catch up because during the year, um, not, not able to do a whole lot of that stuff. I read a couple of books. Um, and you know, I'm a big sports guy. I read a John Feinstein book about the Ravens in, uh, 2000, I think it was 2005 next man up. And it was kind of detailing that organization and what they were going through at the time. And, and then, um, I, re- I read a, a lot of golf books yeah right
1: yeah mm-hmm. um what's your worst habit cell phone what app on your phone gets the most use?
2: uh uh twitter probably
1: what's the most terrifying situation you've ever found yourself in
0: hmm
2: I'm going to have to come back to that. <laughs> that's probably a good thing too, right?
1: Yeah, no. I mean, if you don't have one in the holster, that's usually that's usually a sign of a pretty decent life. What is your idea of happiness? Peace? What is your idea of misery? Uh
2: probably the constant struggle of um having to keep up, having to maybe like an anxiety, you know, and, and having to, um, I guess, be out of place
1: in a way. What makes you self-conscious? Well, I don't hit the
2: ball very far anymore. <laughs> and so when I go out and I play with my guys and, and they're hitting it 30 yards past me, Now, I'm able to beat them other ways, of course, right? But, um, yeah, it gets under my skin just a little bit.
1: What is the most embarrassing song you love?
2: I like a lot. I'm a music guy, too. I I like a lot of music. I like a lot of music my players have never heard of. Um, And I think any time they catch me listening to an array of that that music, uh, it's a... Coach, what in the world is this? <laughs> <laughs> and so I have to explain it, and I get the dumbest looks, you know, back.
1: But, but are, yeah. Are uh, we talking like Lawrence Welk big band music? or
2: No, not that far back. You know, I, I like anything from, uh, you know, 50s and 60s rock all the way up to current alternative music to rock to a little bit of everything. How would you prefer to die? With my... Um, with a smile on my face.
1: (laughs) If you were reincarnated, what would you like to come back as and why? Um, A
2: tall uh, pine tree uh, at Augusta National.
1: That's a good choice. What might prompt you to lie? Mm. Fear? What makes you hopeful? family what is our purpose in life
2: um to probably serve others to um to make people around you um happy uh, you know and yeah just to, to give and to serve others i think is ultimately good
1: regardless of who it is what would you ask our next guest
2: hmm i would ask um why do you do this for a living why do you do what you do
1: why do you do what you do
2: well i'm not in it for the money right
1: (laughs) (laughs) nobody is here
2: i um you know i i enjoy i am a competitive person i am um i do not like losing at anything um I think that is part of it. I think the other part of it is when you're able to see players that you've coached, that you've recruited, that trust you, that come through your program, and then come back every year. And you you continue to learn things about them as people. And you're not their coach anymore. Uh, some still call you coach and will always call you coach. Um, but it's that that lifelong bond that that you have with a player um in a place um we had a, a local tournament here in town last week and i had um seven former players from trevecca that played in it and we spent the weekend up here and and um had a lot of fun and shared a lot of stories and um you know, a lot of those guys were in that first couple recruiting class that that, that we spoke about earlier on this, and uh, I think that is what means the most. It's that lifelong kinship bond that that you can't you can't take anything you can't take it away. There's some memories that were that we've made on the golf course, um, like we said. Alex Alex is 66 in Fort Lauderdale. Uh, we're probably going to be talking about that for a long time, and. And you cannot take that away from us, and um, that's what I enjoy most about this.
1: It's a pretty good answer. Well, now you got to get out of here. I know you got a tea time. Who are you playing with today?
2: I'm playing with a former player, um, a former player. He lives uh, here in Clarksville, uh, has a great restaurant in Hopkinsville, Kentucky called Davos. His name's David Saldana. So we got a tea time, and I'm going to go uh, take care of business.
1: All right, sounds good. We'll catch. Appreciate you going on today. <laughs> back. thanks to Head Coach Robbie Wilson for coming on and joining us this week. Um, as we mentioned, there's literally, not figuratively, literally nothing happening right now. Um,
0: all the sports are like coming back, but they're not back yet, so it's just it, waiting. It, yeah,
1: they're all in this sort of summer campy type deal, which summer camp is supposed to be. Fun and enjoyable and not done under the threat of illness, virus, and quarantine. It's good to see guys taking BP at the big league fields again, though. That's It is,
0: and yet it's also eerie. It's weird because it's like, I started Red's posted a video of Jesse Winker taking batting practice, and it's like, Jesse Winker, the guy throwing,
1: and that's it. And the whoever's holding the camera. Right, yeah,
0: and the social media guy. Is six feet away wearing a mask. So shout out to all the social
1: media people holding it down during yeah, all this. Yeah, like
0: good for them. Like, that's, that's got to be an awesome job at this point because, like, you're going to get some cool stuff.
1: You're also going to be the only people at the game. Right.
0: There's going to be, like, the owners are probably going to be in their suites, you'd have to imagine. They'll have, like, the broadcast team, the players, the managers, the other coaches, and then, like, I assume there'll be, like, select teams, employees and staff there. But then, like, the social media guys just going to – Get, I mean, you're. There, I feel like there's going to be some cool photos and some cool social media stuff that comes out of these baseball
1: games. Are you going to buy – I haven't seen if the Reds are going to do it, but given that everybody else is doing it, I imagine they will. Are you going to buy a placard of yourself to uh, sit A, a lot of teams
0: are saying you have to be a season ticket holder to get that, I thought. But I don't – I can't imagine the Reds have enough season ticket holders to fill it up. And I would love to put my picture at Great American Ballpark.
1: I mean, for 40 bucks, it seems – I feel like if you're going to do that, they
0: should have to send you a picture of your plaque in its seat.
1: Uh, I mean, I guess I can see that being the thing. I just, I want it to be, I want to be caught on camera as they pan the crowd. If it's
0: me at a Reds game, I'm just going to have to have an angry look on my face, though, to make the picture realistic.
1: Well, you could also do, and I've seen the thing where you put a famous person out there as well. Not this is not a great example, but I saw a uh, an English Premier League team. Somebody had uh, bought one for Osama Bin Laden. Oh, yeah, not the best example. They, but didn't, it's the they
0: didn't catch that one.
1: I feel. I, I, I think feel. it was a very much a you put your money down, you do whatever you feel like kind of thing.
0: I feel like there's got to be regulations. For
1: that. I would think so, but as with everything else, it's become. As hard up as baseball claims it is for money, they may let you do anything you want for forty bucks. What celebrity would you put in a, is it Truist Park now? Yeah, um, hmm.
0: that's it's I I don't like the name, by the I way.
1: I would buy two. I would buy
0: two and put Big Boy and Andre three thousand just right beside each other. Yep. See, that's cool because Atlanta, obviously. Like, I don't think Cincinnati has like, think,
1: like an option. <laughs> Human-sized play has got a chili. Like, did you see?
0: <laughs> like you saw? Did you watch the Junior documentary yet? Uh oh, no, I haven't. It's like, so they had, when he was in Seattle, they kept, like, they talked to all people, and they were talking to Macklemore. They got to Cincinnati, and, like, they're like, oh, we've got to get a singer to match, like, Macklemore's opinions from Seattle. It was like, it's, it was, it's an actor. His name's Nick something. Yeah, I've seen it. He's thrown out a first pitch. He's been at Red stuff, like, latchy or Lackey or something. Nick Lachey? Nick Lachey, that's it. From 98 Degrees? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he was, like, the person, like, he was, like, the local... Famous celebrity
1: they interviewed for the Cincinnati years, Nick Lachey. You know, Nick Lachey, like that's that's Cincinnati in a microcosm. Like it's the like, second or third best of everything. Like,
0: yeah, who else were they gonna like? Who else like from Cincinnati? You've got like the baseball, like you've got Barry Larkin and Pete Rose are from Cincinnati. King Griffey Junior. Like, you're obviously not gonna do them. So like Nick, Nick Lachey, that's 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 the answer. I don't know who else you would have picked to do this.
1: I I genuinely blanking on any famous Cincinnati like native. Cincinnati right? No. Yeah,
0: that's what I'm saying. Like second, or, like you nailed it. Second or third best.
1: Yeah. Always all for a ber- uh,
0: Cincinnati chili, even though some people would still put that as not good.
1: It it is comparable to spaghetti, and it's it's less good spaghetti.
0: <laughs> I'll just, yeah, I'm gonna get a nickel shade cut out and put that at Great American. That'll that'll be fine. Everybody will be good. oh who's that? Those think he's a normal guy. Nobody knows who he is. Yeah, it'll be like. Oh, there's oh, some that, guy from
1: that, that guy looks like he used to be famous. Some guy from Kentucky bought a bought a cutout of himself. Um, here's where we usually talk about stuff upcoming. Um, if you want stuff to be upcoming, I have a couple of real cool suggestions for you. Wash your hands and wear your mask and social distance and only go out um, if it's necessary. I don't. I know that people don't like being cooped up in their houses. Boy, do I not like being cooped up in my house where a two-year-old with tons of energy is running rampant almost all of the time. But I want to have live sports this fall and winter and spring. And the best way to do that is to slow this nonsense down. So please wash your hands and please wear your mask so we can go to Fort Stadium at some point this fall and watch the Govs play. And go to Morgan Brothers and watch the Govs play. And, praise God willing, come to the Dunn Center and watch the Govs play. Because we ain't going to get that many opportunities to do that if we don't slow this down. Boy, that was depressing. Uh um, then. Yeah. Let's, let's get on to that. Uh, as, as your community is in whatever state of reopening it is, in uh, Haley Meyer for your community service stuff, uh, she... If you're here locally, probably has some things you can do, and if not, um, man, there's a ton of good, you know, there's still demonstrations for uh, social justice. Um, There's always, always opportunities in whatever community you're in to get out and do some good, so go do it. While you're doing that, you can also get in touch and stay in touch with us via the web and social media, and Casey, how can they do that? Well, you should follow us on Twitter and Instagram,
0: at Let's Go P, or you can follow on Facebook on our official account called Austin P. Governors. Uh, Shout out to our friends Eric and Robin for all of the digital media content that they are putting out on all of
1: those platforms. Let's Go for dates, news, and stories. Casey, Cody, Bush, and myself doing stuff over there. Finally, mercifully, getting to the end of the Greatest Govs Countdown. This week, next week, for check, back check, paycheck, bro. Yeah, that's. Yeah, I that. am so I am so ready to be done with strangers yelling at me about <laughs> things on the internet
0: about about choices you made that really mean nothing. Choices
1: that I that we made as a group that just happened to have my name attached to them. Yeah, people are upset. Um, but you
0: know you can't be upset about if you want to come to Austin P ticket or Austin P games this fall. You're gonna need tickets and to get and a t- mask and a mask. You're gonna need tickets and a mask. And how are you gonna get your tickets? get in contact with our ticket gurus, Katie Locke and her assistant, John Jameson. They have all the information you can use to get in the game. And be on the lookout for some information regarding social distancing
1: and so forth soon, like getting your mask. Yes, mask. Can we mentioned the mask. Get a mask and wear it. And while you're wearing your mask, find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, or directly on the website of slash podcast. Give us a rating, or review on the podcast. Five stars, five stars. If you'd like to suggest a guest, let us know of a local or on campus event we shout out. Are you about various cheeses? Tweet us. I'm at C Wilson225. He's at C underscore Craig 19 Love yourself, love each other. Talk to you next week. Goodbye. I grew up on an older road. A pedal to the metal, always did what I told. Until I found out that my brand new clothes I came secondhand from the rich kids next door. And I grew up fast, I guess I grew up.